And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call. But live. Today, yes, live episode. Disappointed, but live. Disappointed, but live here at Switchyard Brewing. Uh, As today, your Indiana Hoosiers fall to the Purdue Boilermakers, 74-62, to in a game that had an incredible atmosphere at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. The students brought it. The fans were ready to explode all day, and unfortunately, the team didn't give them many things to explode about today. Uh, obviously, the story of today's game, the return of Bob Knight to Assembly Hall, which was an incredible moment uh, at halftime. But unfortunately, Bob Knight was back at Assembly Hall and the Hoosiers were not, as they just did not have enough today uh, against a Purdue Boilermaker team that hat tip to them, came in and played really well and were able to get the 12-point victory uh, on the road. So can you guys hear okay? We're you working on volume. Working on volume? Yeah. Okay. All right. So... Let's begin today's show how we begin every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. People here? I think so. Okay. We're we're working on it. You know, I thought about lots of things that you could do for the banner moment. Second half, when it gets to 56 to 50, Indiana playing with the small lineup. You know, they finally kind of get it back, get a little bit of momentum, go back to the first half when they were up 28 to 25. But no, the banner moment today was Bob Knight coming back at halftime, uh, seeing so many great Indiana players just walk out. Uh, you know, I was sitting there with my buddy Evan at the game, and we just kind of kept elbowing each other like, hey, can that guy play? You think he can get back out on the court and play? Can, there was know. a few of those guys that looked like they could still yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, a few of those guys who could. And, you know, I was wondering kind of how it was going to feel seeing Coach Knight back out there at, you know, on, on the assembly hall court. And it was a very emotional moment you know having grown up watching indiana basketball and seeing so many games with him and knowing what's happened over the last 20 25 years it it felt good seeing him back out there and it felt right to see him out there with those guys uh you know and to see him be emotional in that moment and really seem to enjoy the moment uh you know be a little playful with the moment i swear dick vital was terrified for a second when (laughs) coach knight grabbed his hands and uh it was great to see, and when, you know, when the chant, the, to me, the big moment was the chant that rang out when everybody started saying, thank you, coach, because it felt a little bit, I don't know if you guys felt this, but it was almost kind of like the fans that were there didn't quite know how to react, like they were cheering, and then it got a little bit quiet, and it's like, we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know what to do, and then someone started that thank you, coach chant, and that was perfect, and it was, uh, you know, that to me, on a day that where the basketball wasn't very good, you know, at least we could indulge in that memory and thank him for everything that he did for the basketball program. And I guess in those moments, you know, dream and hope that someday it'll get back to that. Because uh, unfortunately, it certainly wasn't today. So that is the banner moment. Our banner moment, as always, sponsored by our friends from Homefield Apparel. And Connor is right here. Connor, stand up. Say hi. Homefield Apparel, an Indiana-based brand. They do everything out of Indianapolis. We love their gear. And look at this. So Connor is so awesome. He knows I like this, you know, this long sleeve tee with the script Indiana. He made me one with the assembly call, which I really appreciate. He's got some shirts here. We're going to do some giveaways, but make sure that you guys go to homefieldapparel.com. They have so much great gear. Let's see. How many people here are wearing homefield apparel right now? We got the assembly sizable, call hoodie. Sizable number of people. A lot of people. I know I saw some bison, bison hoodies earlier. Indiana. Yeah, I mean, the stuff is so comfortable. They have unique logos you're not going to find anywhere else. Go to homefieldapparel.com. They are incredible. I mean, only one member of the team wore it today. I'm just saying. 
They know I got home field apparel on under here. Oh, well, it's obviously visible. But <laughs> under your shirt. Good. Uh, I sleep in home field apparel. It's that comfortable. <laughs> All right. Well, it is time to uh, move the ball, find the open man, and get some thoughts from the rest of our team. At 5.02, I got a text from Ryan saying, where are you guys? Just stopped at the hotel. <laughs> Apparently, he just did not realize this we were is, doing this. This is really underpublicized. I think that probably is so, the biggest difference. So, Ryan will be here. I think he just wanted to make an entrance, you know. So, uh, so Ryan is not here, but of course, we have Andy and the coach. Uh, so, let's do, uh, let's, do, let's, do, let's do a little music. You, wanna get, you guys want to hear some theme music for these guys? Okay, let's do a little bit of theme music. Andy, your bottoms line on today's disappointing Indiana performance. Well, and, and another person who's here is the, the great Bob Thompson who has done these songs. So the I great Bob know. Thompson is here. Where's Bob? I don't know where Bob is. Where is Bob? Oh, he's in the back. All right. I ran into him on the concourse. You're the man, Bob. Earlier today. So uh, if anybody <laughs> else here is looking for their own theme music, right, I got right back there to hook you up. Um, it, you know, it, certainly the Bob Knight piece was, uh, was, was really cool to be at, and I... I joke with you guys that I don't really know that it was feasible, but there was, based on the way that the team played today, it would have been cool to see them out there taking in the things that were being said, even listening to Archie Miller's words about the teams that, that the IU teams that he remembers and, uh, and grew up with. And it was, it, it just seemed, as you said, it was kind of odd. And then they come out of the locker room and it just didn't seem like a lot of juice that anybody had, not a lot of fire. Um, we, we commented that the body language seemed, seemed a little bit off and, uh, and that really is how it, it proved out. I mean, I go back to, to what you said. I mean, 56-50, two times they had the ball. Uh, the place is just waiting to explode. They had weathered the early storm. I think got down by as many as 16 and, and did a good job to get back but just couldn't, uh, couldn't get over the hump, couldn't put enough game pressure on Purdue. And, and you watch some of the teams. We, we mentioned this coming over here. You watch these two teams cut. Purdue just cuts 10 times, 100 times harder than what IU does. And the, just the urgency with which they operated, which pains me to say quite a bit uh, as, as you look at it, but just the physicality, Purdue really dictated the physicality of the game. I thought IU got them in foul trouble early. Uh, I think had six fouls with maybe the first eight minutes, and then I think Purdue only got called for one the rest of the game. And I don't, I don't say that to blame the officials. I say that more because IU really relaxed in terms of trying to get the ball inside. And, um, you know, spacing is going to be an issue with this team. There's just not enough people, and I think the small lineup helped with that a little bit during that stretch in the second half. It just wasn't uh, wasn't enough to get there. So uh, a, a fun day, and I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the, the chance to meet all of you. The game obviously was uh, far less than ideal, uh, but I joke with Jared when we were sitting up here. The first one of these, there were um, just slightly less people than this. Um, it was just general people who wandered into yogis that may have thought they might get a free drink or something if they moved back in our area. So uh, really appreciate everybody being here. It has been, uh, for all the kidding aside about the song, it has been a fun weekend. We had a lot of fun last night. Got to meet uh, Key Smart and Dean Garrett at Knicks. Um, so just know that no matter how far removed you get from IU, you come back. That's where you go, uh, even if you're a 1987 national champion. So. Uh, had a good time. I'm looking forward to the show. Uh, although, if anybody has other topics they would like to hear us talk about besides this game, <laughs> yeah. I, for one, am open to any of them. <laughs>
All right. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's not Sony time. Coach, what's on your mind? Well, it's a disappointing day when you lose. It's a disappointing day when you lose to that team from up north. Uh, All-around disappointing day. And the guard play, we'll get into the technical stuff. The guard play was really bad from, a, from my coaching perspective. But what isn't disappointing is looking out and seeing all of our uh, listeners and followers coming out on a day like this to support us. So cheers to everyone. Cheers. Um, it has been great to uh, hear from you on social media. It's great to walk through and shake your hands, and, and we'll do that again here. But this is what I will, I will tell you in my most optim- optimist look or, or the best view I can. This is why you root for Indiana, is this, this family of, of supporters. And yes, at 15 and 8 or 15 and 9, whatever we are, and playing bad, four-game losing streak, don't lose sight of the fact that you picked the right school to, to root for and, and, and stay with the program, even though we're going to talk about frustrating things because you guys are the reason that well, we, we have a show and, and it's the reason that uh, Indiana basketball will get back at some point, hopefully soon. But it's it's awesome. And then I'd also like to say a shout out to uh, Mrs. Tonsoni. Um, if you would stand, please. Uh, All right. Uh, don't chase her till after. No, I, I, I promise I won't chase her through the crowd. <laughs> but it might at the end of the day. So root, root me on a little bit. But with, without her support and the support of all of our uh, significant other spouses, and uh, it's it wouldn't be possible. So keep stay positive. Complain about the guard play. Complain about Archie subbing at eight minutes and, and putting guys in that cost us the game. You have every right to to be frustrated, but you you're wearing that Indiana gear, and it's a it's a proud moment. Remember that. All right. Well, right. Whoa, Ryan is here. He just showed up. See. The thing with Ryan is he doesn't need to listen to us speak, but now it's his turn for, the, for his first comment, and he's, he's ready to go. Are you ready for your intro? Well, here, we'll, 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 let, we'll let Galen, do you want to give a couple quick thoughts? Not, the, not really, no. no. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to thank everybody for coming out, yes. and gosh, that's really about the only positive thing I can say right now, so it's great to see you all. Yes. All right, Ryan. Here we go. All you other voices get out of the way. Cause Ryan's got a hundred thousand things to say. The shot doctor's gonna go off on Coach Care. How the Big Ten refs screw up every day. He's a senior writer for the guys, big league. His majesty's words are the elixir we need. The only problem is he won't concede the mic to other voices even if they agree. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. Let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Well, Ryan, unfortunately, there is a lot to rant about. What would you like to choose? Uh, geez. Uh, we're already, uh, you guys have already gone over a lot, I'm sure. I think that the really rough part for me was seeing guys struggle and and maybe make poor plays and poor decisions and not being removed from the game that really kind of bothered me because i felt like this was a very winnable game at, at certain stretches there was that stretch they got to six uh really had a chance to to 
hammer Purdue. And, and it, it, for you guys who were there, you noticed that crowd was ready to explode. There was, they were waiting for an excuse to explode, and, and it just didn't happen. And, and every time they got real close, it, it just they, something was off, something went wrong, someone dribbled the ball the wrong way, and there just wasn't a flow to the game that really helped that team, th- this team, go out and win. And, and, and I think that there were certain players who were on the floor during bad stretches and, and you know, probably shouldn't have been. And, I, and, I, and to, in such an emotional day for everybody, I think that the coaching staff needed to be a little more on their game of, of getting guys out who were really struggling and get them, you know, get new guys in to... to you know, get just get things moving, and there were times where it just got stagnated. and And credit to Purdue, they they really kept the pressure up all day. Um, what I will say is, I think that that the positive we can all take away is it was a great day for the program in certain respects. Uh, I think we can all agree with that. Um, also, hearing that Trace Jackson Davis is going to come back for his sophomore season, somebody reported that during the game. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so those are some. Just get. What? I said they just asked him when he was like running somebody by on the floor. Somebody posted it during, I, I saw it retweeted during the game, and I read it, and I was not surprising, but okay, huh? that, that is guaranteed at this point. But I, you know, it was just such an emotional day, and I don't know the people who were there. I was so emotionally drained after halftime. That was just such a very such a draining experience, and you know, cathartic for in a lot of ways. But then to try and get back up and, and get the team to win, it was. It was a real struggle, and, and um, I don't know. I just think that this team, you know, had a chance to be 16 and four by beating uh, by beating Maryland, and sort of blew it over the last 70 seconds. And now they're on a 40 game losing streak, and and it's it's shaping up. This schedule is going to be so difficult towards the end, and, and you really have to wonder how they're going to where they're going to find wins. How are they going to do it? Yeah. And to me, the the younger guys have to step up, and, and I think that that's it's a point where a guy like Rob Finnessy's got to step up. Jerome Hunter has started to step up. Um, we only saw a brief bit of Race Thompson today, but you need him to step up. You need Armand Franklin to start making some shots because those are the guys that you can rely on, that you feel like you're starting to be able to rely on more than the older guys. And so that, to me, was the big takeaway is that, that some of the older guys you're just not going to be able to count, count on down the stretch, and you're going to need those younger guys to step up if you want to make the tournament and if you want to you know, do it, salvage something yeah. out of this season. So, look, obviously that was a tough game. We'll break it down more because I think there were some interesting observations, you know, that we all had from the game. But let's look forward for a minute before we look back because, you know, we kind of came into this game saying, you know, it's not a must win, but it's about as close to a must win as you're going to get on February 8th given, you know, where the team is currently. Yes. I guess you get your rival at home in this atmosphere. Whoa. (laughs) Um. But let's look forward. So where does this team go from here? So obviously the game against Iowa on Thursday is going to be huge. You know, Coach Andy, as we were walking back, you know, the one thing that we were encouraged by, which I mentioned earlier, was that stretch in the second half where, you know, Indiana had been down by 16 at one point. And they went small. I think it was Rob, Armand, Jerome, Justin, and Trace. And they went on a 7-2 run, got it back to 56-50. You know, now they weren't able to capitalize and, and take it further than that. But... Coach, do you think it's time to start going smaller more and start playing? You know, we know how important Joey has been, but it also felt like today, maybe it was part of the matchup, you know, but it felt like today the offense moved a little bit better and things were just a little bit more crisp without him on the court with a little bit of a a smaller lineup. Is that something that we're going to see more in the future and that we should see in the future? I I would like to see the smaller lineup a little bit more. I've been clamoring for that at the beginning of the year. And, and took a step back when I realized that our, you know, two of our better players are post players, yeah. and, and so Archie's putting his better players out there, which is what Ryan is saying he needs to do. And 
and, and yet it clogs up the lanes, and, it, and, and then there's such an emphasis on getting the ball into the post that the guards aren't cutting, as you said Purdue did. The offense is so geared to feeding the post uh, that teams are, are scouting that and taking stuff away. And the other thing with the small lineup that, that is confusing <clears throat> or perplexing to me is who are you going to play? Because uh, I agree there are some guards that don't deserve to play as many minutes as they're playing. And if you go small, now you're looking at, uh, you know, are, do we have the players in position to play small uh, and, and play it consistently over time and, and have Joey only play 14 to 18 minutes? Is that something the coaching staff's going to want to do? I, I just think from an offensive standpoint, eventually you just can't play two posts forever. So I would like to see it. Uh, coaches get stubborn. Uh, I was talking to you guys about that. Uh, we get stubborn in, in what we like to do and what we believe in, and, and you just keep forcing it until it happens, and sometimes it doesn't. So I'm not sure that's good coaching, but he may stay with it because to honor Joey's attitude and effort uh, as opposed to playing people who don't deserve to play because of their lack of attitude and effort because you want to go smaller. Uh, that, that's a tough – that's just real – he's in a tough position. I thought yeah. Deron Davis played well when he was in there today, especially defensively, and didn't get back in the game in the second half. That really shocked me because, yeah. it, you know, they were doubling hard in the post, and, and Deron is a great passer out of the double team, and Joey is not. And I was really surprised that they didn't go back to him. Frankly, shocked. And I know they went smaller, and they were trying to try Trace at the five more, but, I mean, at some of those points where things got slow and they were doubling hard in the post, why not throw your best post passer out there? I, I – I, you know, there were just some decisions in this one I didn't quite understand. Yeah. Well, I think Jerome playing better unlocks the ability to, to try to play small, but you, it, it eventually comes back to guard play because inherently playing small suggests you've got a whole bunch of guards that you think are playing really well. And, and as Coach mentioned today, whether it was over here or uh, even on the walkover, like the guard play just really struggled. You've got guys who either from a confidence perspective, health, youth, Whatever the case may be, it's hard to say. I don't want to play this guy because if you really went and looked on the list today of like I'm going to play the guards who are playing well, you'd have had a hell of a time figuring out who you're going to put out there. Um, and so, I mean, part of playing small is you got to have guards that you can trust, and I, there's just nobody playing consistently enough there right now to really do that. I think Jerome was the one guy who really kind of jumps out when you're there live at, at how in tune yeah. he is and how athletic he is, and um, you see him really starting to to round back into the form that. Everybody expected him to have after, you know, early on and had to sit out a, you know, a year to, uh, to be able to get it. So I think he does, does not lack for confidence. It does provide, yeah, it provides a lot of other options, but you got to have people to put around him, no matter what. So, and I will lose with a guy like Jerome Hunter. I, I will lose with, with Jerome Hunter. That guy plays hard. He plays great on both ends of the floor. I mean, he'll make mistakes. He's a freshman. They keep talking about. It. He's basically a true freshman. But that's a guy who, who gives it everything he's got every time he's playing, and he's focused. He's trying to pump his teammates up. I mean, I'll lose with a guy like that. You know, I, you put him on the floor. Give him. I, mean, I think we're all sort of on the team of play him 25 minutes a game, play him more minutes. because yeah, that, And he has been. Yeah, and that's a guy who I, I do not – when he goes on the floor, again, you'll feel good about him making mistakes because you know he'll learn from it and he'll get better from it. One yeah, of the things the other guys I don't feel that. One way. of the things you got to look at is I wonder if Rob Finnessy's on some a minutes restriction because he comes out regularly and sits for a while when you're you're like put him back in, put him back in. I still wonder his health situation and his conditioning situation because it just looks like he's only allowed to play a certain amount of time. That hurts the guard rotation. And I thought Jerome Hunter almost he was so tired at the eight minute mark. There were some subs that didn't work out at that time, but. 
the coaching staff was talking to him, and then he came out right after that. I thought he was either gassed or lightheaded or something because he fell back in the huddle, and someone had to grab him, and they kept him out there. Uh, and then immediately he came out, and then that's when Indiana went on the bad run from 6 to 15 when, you know, um, those other guys were in. So two of those guys that we really like to see out there, I think, are, are not yet able to play 30, yeah, and, 35 minutes health-wise. We, we just don't know that. But it looks to me like they are both on some sort of can't-go-all-the-minutes-that-we-would-want-them-to-go type of uh, plan. Well, and it's worth noting, I mean, you know, I, I just felt like today bad play was not punished enough. And maybe it is minutes, maybe it's whatever. But there were guys making stupid plays who stayed out there after a timeout. Devontae Green fouled a guy on a three-pointer. There was a timeout, and he was still in the game. You know, And it was a bad foul on a three-pointer. You couldn't have that in that situation. Uh, I, I thought that you know, at that point, you've just got to send a message. Pull a guy out. This is a key yeah. game. This is a game you cannot afford to lose, and you're leaving people out making mistakes. And that, I, You can't do that. And and, you and, you and know, RTF I always disagree disagree on coaching anger sure. on the bench yeah, and that's just you, you you believe one way i believe the other way uh and, and i i'm with you i i'm i've seen a, a good share of Devonte green and i'm i'm a little tired yeah, of it right so I, I i'm with you on that um the the problem is franklin was so so i mean you just it's a, it's a tough thing because i do agree with you you got to pull them at times but you look at that bench and they're all struggling yeah to, you know um the, you know the biggest thing for me watching this game and especially watching it in person was and look this is going to make me vomit having to say this out loud because i'm going to have to because i'm going to well i don't want to praise purdue but (laughs) offensively when you watch them and you watch the difference between purdue and indiana run offense right now everything they do is in rhythm everything that they do is crisp and they are able to read and react and take advantage of situations and when we're on offense we don't do that sometimes it looks like we're figuring out what to do in the it's middle stunted. of the possession yeah, and there are opportunities that we had you know there was one drive justin had and you know look he had been having some success driving but he had out Durham wide open on the wing for a three-pointer didn't see it you know trace jackson davis was the one guy that it looked like was getting angry in the second half and we've talked before you know when trace gets angry he can go on a run of six, eight points himself. And, you know, Evan, the guy I'm sitting next to, were like, Trace is angry. Feed him. And Indiana scored like four straight points. And, you know, they come down. Trace is posting. Devontae has it. And instead of getting it into Trace, he just shoots a three. And it just feels like everything offensively is a struggle. And, you know, Coach, we've talked about it. I mean, obviously our guards have struggled and they're limited. But, you know, for Purdue, you know, Eric Hunter, Stefanovic, Proctor, like none of these guys are huge recruits. None of these guys are elite players. But yet they play with a different level of confidence and assertiveness. You know, Al Durham really, it seems, struggled to get going into the game. And then there, the last couple possessions, you see him drive and spin and score, make a three. And it's like, where is that? And so there is absolutely a different level of confidence, belief, rhythm, you know, all those different things that they have offensively. And it was such a stark difference watching that and then watching the way we play offensively. And I don't know if that's a player issue, if it's a coach issue. I'm sure it's a combination of all those things. But, my God, I am sick and tired of watching them play and saying I wish we played more like them. But that's how I found myself feeling today. It's a confidence issue, and it's both. Um, The message that Archie is trying to get across to his guards is not being being sent or it's not being heard. Uh, So, yeah, Archie needs needs to figure something out because the guards are not playing with confidence. They're playing very hesitant, which leads to casual play. 
and, and and sometimes that's the coach. You know, you got to find a way to get your your guys to play with a lot of confidence. The Purdue guys are playing with confidence, and maybe it was that 19-3, you know, game at Iowa because they've had some really bad games on the road. But man, they might have found it in that Iowa game. But those guards played with confidence. Their system has been in for 14 years. I, I said the older guys taught the younger guys. Carson Edwards taught Sasha Stefanovic how to how to cut and move. And, and this is a, this is a young program. But you cannot excuse Archie. Archie's get paid millions of dollars to win basketball games and get guards. But the toughest thing to do uh, as a coach is to tough is to teach players who don't want to listen, uh, who who think they have the answer. And, and I, I'm very, as an educator, I don't want to throw out names here, but there are guys, I will, but Devontae and Justin, some of these guys look like they don't want to hear the message. And, and then it's ultimately the coach's job to tr- try to keep pushing 19 different buttons to get it done. Uh, I would believe that Archie's on button 9, 10, or 11 right now. Um, and they're all been wrong. Low, huh? and, and they've all been wrong uh, because we're playing uh, really, really poor. So. Uh, the Purdue guards are, are are just better because they're more confident. Yeah, yeah, that's what I that's what I took away. I mean, we all watched them hit that many threes against Iowa and wanted to say they got them all out of their system. But confidence is a powerful thing for these guys, and you and that goes both ways. It goes in the way that I just made a whole bunch of shots, and you got Aaron Wheeler stepping into threes confidently, despite even after shooting well in that game, shooting twenty two percent. And uh, and then on the flip side, I think you see how fragile IU's confidence is. Things start to go bad. These these stretches snowball, so it goes both ways. It's not just that Purdue had came into the game shooting the ball well, had a lot of confidence, and said, "Hey, look, we can go in here. There's nothing to lose," and, and do it that way. And IU, I mean, that's why you get these scoring droughts of whatever. You just there's a, a lack of confidence. And you, and you talked about the passing, where our seats were was kind of down at the other end of the floor that IU was going at the first half. And the one thing I noticed, it was multiple times, like, you could see, maybe it was the angle I was at, who knows, there were passes to be made that either the team lacked the confidence to make or didn't see. And neither of those is a good thing, but there was, you know, those one where they had a lob to trace, and you just got to, you just got to throw it. And, uh, yeah. and there were other, other drives where it's like, you've got you've to do that, and it has to really be part of what the identity is. There were multiple times you talked about the Devontae play. There was another one in the first half. Duran had really good position, and he goes and takes a sky hook essentially in yeah. the in the post. Like you, if your identity is going to be getting the ball inside, then that needs to be everything that you are. And it can't, you don't it do can't it. come and go because at that point, it's not your identity. And, and here's a lot of people say this, and, and, and I've coached enough. Uh, well, coach, you got to give your kids confidence. No, players need to be confident in themselves. If you're a competitor, you're going to be confident. And regardless of what the coach, but soft players need the coach to give confidence. Tough players will be confident, and that's TJD. TJD was out there. He was talking to the coaches on the sidelines. He was talking to the players, and he's a freshman. And Joey Brunk, first year of the program, is the energy guy. There is a signal there, people, of why we have first-year players that are are talking and doing things, and we have three- and four-year players who aren't. Um, Let's be real. Here it is. That, that, that's, that's that, you know, so... We need more tougher players. Indiana needs dudes. They dudes. need guys who are just going to go, you know. But you still got to coach the right I, I, way. Of course and I, you I'll do. give of you that. You, you know, you, you got to coach know, who you have. But, but that's thing, just the beer talking coach. Don't, yeah. don't, yeah, don't, don't start going <laughs> back with Ryan. Don't start agreeing with him. Yeah, it's really a bad stretch of life when you start doing that. <laughs> You're my guy. Uh, no, uh, I, I just think that, again, Jerome Hunter, Trace Jackson, you'll lose with those guys. Yes. Give an effort. Um, and, and and Indiana needs to find more guys like that. I mean, let's be real. It's it, yeah. there are misses on this team and guys who will who who just haven't 
perform the way they're supposed to perform and haven't lived up to their expectations. Yeah. And quite frankly, when you lose by how, what was the final score? 12, 13, 12, yeah. Yeah, you lose by 12 at home against your rival on a, in a, not a must-win game, but in a nearly must-win game. That says a lot about who's on the floor. Yeah. It says a lot about, you know, the coaching staff needed to maybe change some things up, change the message, whatever. But it also says something about the guys on the floor. And, and those guys need to take the either – this one in the season, they don't have pride in what they're doing. Right. And they're, they're, not, they're not out there giving it. Then, quite frankly, it's on the coaches to not put them on the floor. I know in certain I, situations I they I have to put them on the floor. I get it. We're limited in certain player areas. But if guys aren't going to give you 100%, putting on that jersey, seeing what it meant today. There comes a line. You guys talked about a red line a couple shows ago. And, Jared, you said practice was intense. I know we can't repeat uh, what we heard went on at practice. But they had an intense practice yesterday where players were called out. Uh, for their really ridiculous mistakes, and it didn't carry over. Um, and here, here's one that, more wow. one more aspect of it. You had a week to prepare for this game, Absolutely. and that's what you did. You had a week to get better, and they didn't get better. If anything, they took a step back, and that's what's disappointing as a fan. It's disappointing if you're somebody who analyzes this team and watches this team because you're ready for this team to take a step forward, and they just continue to stumble. And, and at some point, it's enough. At yep. some point, you have to get better. Let's talk real quick meaningful moments you know it's easy to look at kind of what happened in the second half but you know this game was lost for indiana at the end of the first half you know they took a 28 25 lead and really it kind of felt like had a little momentum what duran was out there yep. during that had really slowed down travion williams um he and, was great defensively. you know the, like, the reason and and the reason why purdue was able to go on this run is you know some of the things that indiana has done well when they're playing well and that they're supposed to build their identity on really left him you know Aaron Wheeler got wide open for two three-pointers just you know miscommunications and that was part of what Purdue was doing offensively is you know their offense was always one step ahead of our defense and the help and you know so Wheeler got open a couple times and then there was a play with a minute 45 left it was 33 28 so we're down five but still it's like okay let's get a stop let's go get this back to even or close to even before the half and Isaiah Thompson missed a floater and no one boxed him out yep. I think Devontae was was the man who was supposed to box him out they rebounded, they score, they go up seven. You know, I turned to the, to the guy I was sitting next to. It's like, we're in trouble here. And, you know, they ended up obviously leading by, I think, was it nine at halftime? Yeah. Up by nine yeah, at halftime. You know, and those stretches, that stretch at the end of the half, they just never recovered. And then they came out the very first play of the second half. Was it, uh, was it Trace, I think? No gel Eastern had the ball at the top of the key, and Trace just left him. And no Joe Easter yeah, threw a corner corner layup. Thought the yeah, thought and, the help was coming and let him go. Yeah, you know, and so out you know, outside of that stretch, Indiana essentially played him even. But I, that well, stretch honestly, right there is where, where the most, built their lead that they nursed for the entire second half. The most disappointing part of that stretch for a team that is supposed to be built on defense and pride itself on defense was how often they got lost on defense and how often they weren't communicating on defense. They weren't helping yeah. each other pick up the right guy. It was I mean that was you're just seeing right there, like this is what the program's supposed to be based on and you're just like guys either you don't have the guys to do it or the message isn't getting across yeah. it's one of the do two you, we we don't you know see look, behind the scenes you think part, part of that also part of that also is i think we got to give some credit to purdue, purdue for what did a they great did job. don't get me wrong yeah you know, the, there was one possession where you know i hate saying the, that. well purdue but, you know they always do their dribble handoff they've got harms up the top of the key they do this dribble handoff and for most of the game we were just letting them do it and you know one time we jumped the dribble handoff and actually forced a turnover you know didn't let it didn't let them do what they wanted to do easily so the next possession harms anticipated us jumping it slipped just went it. to the other yep. side and slipped it and they scored and again that kind of recognition and being able to and i know that's you know part of the sequence they have there but you know being able to recognize what happened 
probably what we're going to do on the next possession and just to go to the next option that's what our offense is lacking a little bit. Yeah, and I think also it's it's become a readily apparent that whatever we're putting on tape, other teams are picking up very quickly and defending yeah. very well. And it's you know, easy. The, a couple weeks ago, you know, maybe a, about a month and a half ago, our inbounds plays, our under, our under the basket inbounds plays were amazing and we're doing yeah. great. We haven't gotten a bucket off an inbounds play in weeks. Wow, wow. You know, and it's like, hey, it's not working. Yeah, you got to alter it, fix it a little, change it a little. You know constantly be upgrading what you're doing as opposed to just running the same thing over and over and over again because it, it's it's easy it's clearly easy to stop i mean this is yeah. a team that's scoring in the 50s ryan know. do you think too defensively I, i've been a uh, advocate of this i think some of the struggles defensively are playing two post players when, yeah, oh, when a lot of college sure. basketball is a stretch four yep. even fives um garza is hitting threes at iowa best lineup today was with tjd at the five Best yeah. lineup, easily with, with easily. Hunter or and Smith were both out there together for a little bit of that, and and they had two guards, and you know they mixed in a couple different guys, but best best lineup easily was Trace Jackson Davis and and at least one guy on the floor who could spread the floor, but make it Hunter, put him on the same wing yep. so you can't double, throw it in there. I, I mean, I agree, I agree, and and it's just it's tough because you got your two toughest guys play the same position, yeah, and you got to get five guys out on the floor, yeah. and you want to reward. All the stuff that we're wanting to see. You want to reward it as a coach. So what do you do? You decide in the summer you're going to go to old man ball and play two posts. Well, now you're struggling defensively and you're struggling offensively because there's no driving lanes. Well, they had to see the defensive struggles coming. I mean, you're, yes, you're getting yes. Joey Brunk high, they made a high hedging 25 feet from the basket. They I mean, made a choice. It's not working. Yeah, you're going to run into problems. So, But, that's again, that's on the coaches and the yes. players to adjust and, and figure it out and get better. I mean, you should be getting better throughout the season. And, quite frankly, I feel like this team stopped getting better a few weeks ago. I mean, they really. Yeah, the stretch that you mentioned, the other thing that really reared its head there, I was just looking back through the play-by-play, -play, was three turnovers on the last four yep. possessions for IU. And that was really, not yeah. that they had taken great care of the ball up to that point, but they have 11 in um, the first half, this I think. team just isn't good enough offensively to be able to give possessions away. No. And so you can make up for some of that by by just giving yourself a chance, but they just didn't give themselves a chance. I think there was one on a moving screen, there was a travel, I think maybe two travels toward the end, so... That was just the other thing that really kind of came up to bite him. It was they weren't even getting shots while Purdue's going on that run toward the end of the half. Like, you just couldn't even – I mean, they got one shot in four possessions. Yeah. You're just not going to be able to come back that way. All right, well, this is normally the point in the show where we talk stats. Is anyone interested in a successful no, breakdown of this game? No, not at all. No. Let's so let's get off some on. game balls, and then let's move on and talk about some more pleasant subjects. Um and this will probably be pretty quick. I mean, there's really only a couple guys I think that you could go with. You could talk Trace. You could talk Jerome, I think, for game balls. Andy. Or you could say no game ball because we lost to Purdue on the day that Bob Knight came back to Bloomington or to Assembly Hall. I, I struggle to give uh, no game ball. I'm also struggling to pull up the actual correct box score here on my I can take a spot. Trace Jackson Davis gets okay. my game ball. That's, yeah. that's the guy. Second. All right. I, I would give Jerome honorable mention. Yeah, I just me too. He was, he there was, was a guy guys. that really stands out. Yeah. And we talked about this on the way over here. Like, th there is, I think, in a lot of ways, a talent deficiency on the roster that maybe we haven't, you know, we, we see. We did this last year. I think we maybe didn't do as bad a job of it this year. But I think you see the idealized version of every guy. Yeah. But when it really boils down to it, like, you kind of got three dudes and and one of those is fantasy at this point. Who you feel we like got him is, saying dudes, everybody it, is hurt. And uh, so I really think Jerome stands out. I really think if this team is going to turn things around down the stretch, he's going to be a really big part of that because he provides flexibility in the lineup that nobody else really does. Yeah. That he can guard different positions because he's got good enough size. He can score different areas of the floor. 
Uh, and, and again, to go back to the confidence thing, like that is a guy who has a lot of confidence. He lets every shot go like he thinks it's going in. Um, and, and sometimes you need guys like that. This team doesn't have guys like that. It's pretty hey, much it, him. And, yeah. At the and very least, it. when you put a shot up, you might get an offensive rebound. It's better than turning it over or just not getting the ball off. I mean, at least you shoot it confidently. You've got Trace Jackson Davis down low. Anything could happen. You could get a bucket off I that. always think it's going in when he shoots it. Me too. He's got a good and shot. I would hope that he has a little north-south game too because we're missing that north-south yeah. aspect. And that's another reason, you know, the Proctor kid at Purdue, sneakily good at getting in the lane. Hunter can get in the lane. And right now our guard play is so poor that they're not getting in the lane to cause uh, the defense any any decision-making or, or put them in rotation. And, and the only rotation we're getting is a double in the post. Yeah. And, yep. uh, and then when you don't have good – you know, kickouts, it becomes a, a real tough offense. But Hunter is really good. And, and when he's healthy now and, and developing uh, his conditioning, he's going to be a huge part of uh, whatever we can do down the stretch. Yeah. Well, when we talk about floor spacing, I mean, we we mentioned this again on the walk over here. I mean, there's possessions. Purdue just got four guys just hanging out in the paint. Yeah. So yeah. You, you couple that with you don't have a ton of guys who are great straight line north-south drivers with the fact that there's not any space to drive it anyway, yeah, uh, it is not good. And so he's a guy that, again, unlocks flexibility because he's a guy they've got to account for on the outside, and there are not enough guys on this team that uh, fit that description yeah. at this point. All right, well, let's switch gears here a little bit. I think we've exhausted every possible angle of that game. And we Who don't wants want to, to relive any more no, of this game? We don't, we don't, I, no one say no. we don't yeah, want to talk okay. about that anymore. We're all on the same page. So let's, okay, so we're going to rotate some other people in here. Uh, let's start. I think the Hysterics guys are here, and we want to bring them up. Come on up. While they're coming up here, I do want to thank a, a couple of people. Uh, I want to thank Galen, number one, for helping us get this set up. And frankly, for helping to inspire this entire podcast, because he was the first one, the godfather of IU sports podcasters. Uh, I want to thank Joel. Where's Joel? He's over there somewhere. He made the food. If you haven't gone back there and had some of there his pulled is. pork, some of his mac and cheese, unbelievable. And definitely want to thank the folks at Switchyard uh, for letting us do this, for giving us this opportunity. Uh, really appreciate that. Well, I, you know, I, I don't... I... The fa everyone who came, hello, thanks to them. Oh, hey, we right, did that. Uh, we did that, but you were late. So You're right. You I was late. I apologize. Saving the best for last. And everybody who's here, everybody who's here in person today, thank you for coming. Uh, you know, thank you for coming out last night, for hanging out with us today, um, and just for you know for watching the show and being supportive of what we do. We really, really appreciate it. Um, you know, because without you. We're just four guys staring into our computers talking after IU games. Yeah, but, that was a rough couple years yeah. when we were doing that. It was. Uh, <laughs> Yes. All right. So with that said, let's bring Eric and Ward up here. Which let's get, let's the get their thoughts. Here I come, yeah, Mrs. Thompson. <laughs> come on up, guys. Eric and Ward, Hoosier Hysterics. I assume everybody here is subscribed to the Hoosier Hysterics podcast by now. An unbelievable event that they had at the Bluebird. And now they're here. You go, boys. To talk about this game. Are we on right now? I believe the mics are hot, yes. Oh, shit. Oh. This, so, is, this is fancy. We're not used to this kind of fancy equipment, right? No, not at all. There's a board? There's a board. Can I press a button on the board? It'll play, play, play songs, too. What, right if I, what happens if I press the... Uh, it's like a Rubik's... Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's like Simon it'll, Says. Simon it's Says. Yeah. Yeah. What happens Simon. if I press the red button? It'll play the Crimson Cast intro music. There we go. 
There you go. So, oh. you guys had great seats, obviously, today. Yeah, I saw thank you God. pumping up thank the crowd. Thank God we had great seats Best for that. seats for the worst okay, game. For the worst game, but for the great moment. Yes. Yeah. You know, because I, I think, we let's put the game in the rear view. The thing Happy that we're all going to remember, that. those of us who were fortunate enough to be there, that was an incredible moment. You know, for me, you know, being there when Calvert Training bro broke the Big Ten scoring record, you know, some of those moments, this is right up there. I mean, this is a moment that has been 25, 30 years in the making huge what was it like for you guys i mean being there seeing it up close it was uh totally surreal yeah when the players started coming out just one by one and hearing names that we we didn't know were going to be there like yeah that was I mean, a shock jay like, edwards jay edwards jay edwards yes, was there jay andre patterson i know i mean just how excited was dick vital that andre patterson was there <laughs> did they talk about the duke game it was uh it was just um a surreal moment and just we were lucky to be just as close as we are to this front row. I kept yeah. checking you guys out. And I was like, oh, I was way up in the media seats, way up high. Just like, it was, it was just an incredible, emotional thing. And then, you know, you're we're trying to capture it on our phones Not too. Me. No, I would just get I Eric's just, video. Yeah, but I, I was conscious of that because I wanted to be in the moment yeah, also. Yeah. yeah. So at a certain point, I stopped when Coach walked out. Yeah. And it was emotional. I teared up. I uh, well, and I will say for the, the the evented the bluebird, it was just uh, trying to make sure something didn't kind of go wrong, and it went right. So I couldn't really have an emotional yeah. reaction like yeah. many people. It's different did. when you're in it, yeah. But being able to be there and observe, and when they played the video, I I lost it. it you know, awesome, yeah. and and. And it's such a beautiful thing. And then to see Coach out there going through the gamut of emotions. Yeah. He, it, it, you know, it hit him really hard. He got pumped up. He was getting the crowd pumped up. Like, that meant so much. And then to see the players, that their the faces looking yeah. at him. Joe Hillman was losing it. And I was like, oh, come yeah. on, Joe. You're killing me. And then see, well, for me, it was seeing the guys lead him out, too. You know, yes. how much he meant to them, clearly. You know, Quinn and those guys leading him out the tunnel and, and helping him and yeah. i mean it was i was so emotionally drained at the end of half i was like we got another half of basketball totally. you know and it was and you felt like after he left the floor the entire crowd was kind of like uh. i mean they were ready to explode once the game started again but it was it was almost they like needed a moment. they needed a moment to think about what they just saw and somebody on on twitter said this is something i never thought i'd see is like i just saw it and i still don't think it's something i ever see you know it was, it was i'll need to watch the game later when i get back home and just and sort of take it take in. it in yeah, yeah. fast They're, forward we got a we <laughs> just got, halftime. You know, I, coach coming back means so much to so many different people and for different reasons. Yeah. We got a letter after the event back in November from a Hoosier, grew up, born and raised in Indiana. I'm not gonna give out his name, moved away mm. and has lived the, the later his later years in a different state. And he reached out to us and sent us a message that said seeing the video of coach Knight surrounded by his players at the event and surrounded by iu fans i'm gonna get emotional talking about it was something that he wanted to see before he left this earth yeah and he he is dying of uh, terminal cancer and he said that now that he saw that he could go in peace that's what coach Knight means to so many people and to be part of a moment where you know that that's what it means to people is uh there's not really good enough words to to really no. put it into context well yeah. and i think i think for this town and, and for this university 
it was just such a cathartic experience that's been literally two decades in the making. I mean, like, there's been so many chances where they've been that they've reached out and they've asked him to come back and honored him and did different things, honored his teams, and just waiting and waiting and waiting. And, I, you know, I think that a lot of people made peace with the fact that it was never going to happen. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, there was this news that, oh, wait a minute, it might happen. And then, you know, we obviously heard whispers this week that, okay, now it might happen. And I think everybody who was, I'm over it, went very much to, oh, no, I want to see it. You yeah. know, and, and, and just being around town and being around IU fans last night, everybody's like, well, did you hear? Did you hear that there's, you know, and it was, it was this excitement that hasn't been in a long time because it was such a moment that means so much to not only this university, but this state. And honestly, the college basketball, the way ESPN was covering it, yeah. this wasn't an Indiana story. Yeah. It is a national college basketball story. And it meant that much to a lot of people. I think that was what was what I took away from it was it's not just a moment for these people in this arena, as you mentioned so eloquently about your your uh, event in November. It's that meant a lot to yeah people who weren't there, people who maybe didn't didn't know learn about it till the next day. You know, they it was it meant so much, and there was just something about that reunion that has uh, I think a, a a wound at Indiana has been closed officially. I and, hope and, so. You know. Yeah. Maybe we you know, can all heal efficiently. And, and all of that said, you know, I couldn't help but notice the juxtaposition of the play from the team in the first half and the second half, which did not in any way resemble a Bob Knight team and almost felt in a way, you know, and you see all these guys come out that you have these great memories of playing basketball a certain way and coach, and it's almost like they were coming out representing a different program than the one that we're cheering for right now. It's well, the same in, in I want to tell that story color, it's the same about. in arena, but I guess... My question is, and we know that it means so much to people like us and to yeah. you know the gentleman that you talked about. What, if anything, tangibly do you think it means for the program moving forward, like in actually us playing better basketball or getting back to play like that? Will it have an impact there? I think it can. I don't think it automatically happens. Of course. I think yeah. that if this leads to just more embracing in a way that, that just tangibly has not happened, yeah. of the former players, bringing them in, letting them interact with the current team, letting them be around practices, letting them speak to the team. We are in a weird place where for 20 years we haven't had the players who could put their arm around a kid and say, let me tell you what you're playing for. Yeah. But we have a lot of guys that live around the area, the Matt Novers, the Lindemans, even the A.J. Guyton, who's just a few hours away. Yeah. It's not hard to get these guys back. And we need them to continue to impart what that means. And then I do think, we talked to Matt Nover about it. We talked to Kirk Haston. They tell us it is tangible. Kirk Haston came from Tennessee. He had no allegiance to Indiana. Yeah. He came here and he said, I didn't get it when I got here. But when I met these players, when they were coming to practice, when Isaiah Thomas shows up to practice and strips A.J. Guyton of the ball. And dives that on the story floor. Is yeah. Great. Yeah. Then you know what it means. And then you realize you're playing for something more than yeah. yourself. That's what it has to mean. Well, if it doesn't, then we're just any other school. Well, right. and let's go to the sleeping giant analogy like this fan base. Like, look at this. Yeah. Is there any other school Absolutely. in the nation that misses the tournament this many years in a row that struggles for two decades to just be relevant and still has 17,000 people show up just ready to go crazy? Just how many Indiana basketball podcasts there are that survive. Right. You know, I mean, that, that tells you how good the fan base is. You know, and, and, and the, when the apocalypse the, the, comes, the, there will be an Indiana basketball <laughs> podcast left. <laughs> and that the apathy that 
ultimately would be the death of the program of the fan base it's not there yet and when something like this happens and gives us all something to give us hope to remember what it was and what we all wanted to be again uh, hopefully this buys more time to get the product on the court that will reinvigorate all of us and the younger generation. Well, and it felt like two eras of Indiana basketball were divorced from each other. Yes. As you were saying about the players coming back, and it felt like we were either on this side or you're on this side, and there's no in-between. You either, you either are uh, have an allegiance here or an allegiance here, and, and you're not allowed to cross but over. But even over here, it, it, it's Samson, Crean, and, you know, and now yeah. Archie's regime is, is so relatively young, it's like that's all fractured. Yeah. There's not a lot of continuity there of those players coming back. But this is something where both who's in the stands and on the floor, hopefully that just makes uh, um, a continuity. It's one line now. It's yes. not a line yes. to stop and then a new line. And you know, it's- I heard just from people talking, Coach spoke to the team. He did. And, oh, you guys talked about that already? No, no. Oh, okay. no. I, I, I read that. Yeah. He went to, and, and I heard from somebody around the, the court that said, he said to the team, go, go beat their asses. And it just, you could hear Coach saying that. And he didn't have tired of losing to Purdue. Right. But the fact that he was able to do that. Yeah. Like, and maybe it's not the only time he'll do that. I, I do want to share one story that bothers me. Yeah. We were talking about it on the way over. I will not name the player. But anybody who has been to a game at Assembly Hall, if you stick around after the game, it's common for the players to come out, yeah. take pictures, you know. Minutes after this game ended, which I, I don't I couldn't hear everything you guys were doing, we came in a little late. Yeah the worst loss of the year you know it's, i mean yeah yeah, yeah okay. no, unequivocally so the worst loss of the year the most important loss of the year, most important game of the year minutes afterwards there is a player that's part of the main rotation that is out there on the court still in his jersey yucking it up i mean laughing having a good time and i don't expect these guys to like oh hell the sky is falling i do but but I, I could not help myself but thinking, if Bob Knight was the coach of this team, do you think that kid would have been allowed out to just yuck it up? And it pissed me off. It was just... They might have um, had another practice. That's what I'm saying. Right. They, they would have cleared us out so they could run sprints. And I, I don't know why that all happens, but it's more than just Coach Knight showing up. It's about getting it. you got to care. And we don't get it yet as a, as a program. Well, and it's harder and now it's because hard. all the kids got their phone. They're checking their likes right after the game's over. Well, but they should check our stream and like. Well, that. That's we want fine. that. We that's want them fine. to like they yeah. to our to the game show of Assembly Call. Yeah. Um, but it's something where that's where maybe those former players can come back and be like, look, put down your phone for a second and look around. Experience this, experience this loss with your teammates and make it so you don't want to feel this again. It shouldn't yes. mean more to yes. us. It shouldn't sting us more than it stings them. They're the ones out there. It should sting them a little more. But, I mean... I mean, to be fair, we don't know how the other players are responding to it. But... No, but no player should be out there yucking it up. Certainly watching it watching it on the, on the court, you got that feeling. Like, it's, it's not that guys aren't playing hard. They're, right. they're giving effort. They're playing hard. They're obviously working hard, and they want to win. They're just not able to do it right now. But I think what you guys are hinting at is, for a long time... You know, there's like there's playing hard, there's effort, and then there's like that next level that makes it special. Yeah, and that's what Indiana always had. You know, from a, a physical toughness standpoint, from a mental toughness standpoint, you it's, what, out it's what we don't Indiana. see right now. No, that and I think it's like that's 
the match. what we got used to seeing. And yeah. it, it, I do think it was that every player who wore that jersey, for the most part, I'm sure there's exceptions, yeah. they knew they were playing for something greater than themselves. They were playing for this. I mean, they were playing for the fact that they're, the, the amount of content that you guys put out on a weekly basis for how long you've been doing it. What is it, nine years? Yeah. I mean, wow. what fan base has that? It is incredible. Crimson Cast, you know, who's your heartland? Like, all these things, that is what they're playing for. We, we were saying it's, it's trippy to come back and anybody know what we're doing because we're just in Ward's garage. But as we're walking in to Assembly Hall, we get... Like this really sweet woman who's clearly like in her 80s, <laughs> stopping us to tell us that she loved watching it's us. It's a key demographic. And, yes, it is. We do very well with that. And then students who listen. And you want the students that are here that weren't even alive when Coach was here to feel more of what we felt in that first half and halftime when the crowd was in it. It's special. There's a buzz. Yeah. And it's just, we just can't get there yet. Yeah, I mean, that building... When, for a big game when the team's playing well, there's nothing like that building. There just isn't. Nothing, I mean, yeah. it, and nothing in college basketball. I remember, uh, I'm going to just drop this name. You can pick it up later. Uh, <laughs> when I was talking to Jay Billis about it, he said there's no better place to watch a game. He, he's like, whoa, Cameron. Because he went to Duke. Well, he went to Duke. He's got to say. Yeah. What is Cameron, like 5,000 people? He was, he, 7, I was recording him at the time, so I think he had to save himself. Yeah, but yeah. He said there's nothing, there's nothing like a big game in assembly hall. There's nothing. And, and that's that's true. That guy goes to games all over the country, and he said there is nothing like a big game at Assembly Hall, and, and that's true. And, and like you guys are saying, there's more to this program than there are to a lot of programs that have a lot of success. Yeah, Th this is after a loss. I know. This yeah. is after a loss to our rival. This place is packed. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. It's like it is special. It should be special. And the players owe it to the program, and especially that man who was out there at halftime, to treat it special. And that's why it pissed me off to see somebody yucking it up minutes after a loss like this. Well, and, That's not treating it the right way. And Mio is trying to bring Eric back from the ledge. I looked across the court <laughs> during the game, and there's Anthony Leo with his parents. And I'm like, I know that guy gets it. I know... That's a guy, and hopefully Trey Galloway, and even somebody like Jordan Geronimo coming in from across, you know, from the East Coast, yeah. that, that Archie, Archie understands. You know, I think he feels our pain the same way, and he's looking at these guys yeah. and being like, guys, yeah, maybe some guys need to understand it once they get there. Yeah. Somebody like Anthony's going to come in, and he was there today, and he was born and raised as one of us. And that's just so vital to get it back to yeah. where it needs Agreed. to be. Sure. Well, guys, I know that you've taken a position as roadies for Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> yes. And so you're, you're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. I think we're in Atlanta tonight. Yeah, that's right. Bozier City, Louisiana yes. on um, Tuesday. Yeah, I think we're going to go to Panama City, too, yeah. I heard. Very nice. I'm still high from that. <laughs> and I didn't smoke anything. <laughs> I just walked into the room. I, uh, but. But before we move on, I do, on behalf of everybody here, on behalf of all IU fans, I do want to thank you guys for what you're doing. Because, really, I mean, you know, the... Yeah. Thank you. There's nothing better than getting the stories from the players themselves. And being able to have those stories and the expansive interviews that you guys do, the time that it takes to do that, I'm just really appreciative of it. And I've learned a lot about the program, about the players, and, you know... I've been studying this my whole life and being able to get the insights from the players that you guys have brought out. It's been amazing. And, wow. you know, I think your podcast has really done been more than instrumental in bringing the program back together a little bit. And I think it's really important what you're doing. So well, I appreciate it. You guys have supported us from day one all the way to having us up here today. And that's meant so much to us. 
and to be a part of like the IU podcast community is something awesome. we never imagined a year ago. But I just we're thought so there needed thrilled. to be more California flavor. In <laughs> yeah, San podcast. Diego, baby. We had to represent uh, for you. And to, to echo what Ward said, when we started uh, back in Ward's Garage, which we're still in, still so we there. haven't really grown at all. <laughs> Clearly you guys like Ward's Garage. We do like Ward's yeah. Garage. It's very nice. But it's actually not nice, but it's cool. <laughs> um, but when we did like our first long-form interview, I mean, even like the A.J. Moye, was, he was one, and then Jeffries. Mm -hmm. Jared reached out to me and said, hey, what you're doing is, is great. I love this. And he had no reason to. And I think in, a, in another world, you'd look at it and go, oh, they're competitors. And Jared and, and Brian and Andy and Coach and Galen and everybody has never looked at us like that. And we would not have any support at all if it weren't for the tweets that you sent out giving us exposure to your audience. We would not have any exposure or any ability to get the interviews we did without you guys. And we are so appreciative of that. Um, so with that said, now we go out back and reenact the Anchorman scene? Yeah, now let's go fight it out. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I got my trident. I'm ready to go. Stay off the face. That's yeah. the rule. That's right. No yeah. hair, no face. No contact. Face. Yeah, well, because no you guys got a camera. For, you can go off on our this. faces. We're on TV. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Let's. Everybody should know that Hoosier great Brian Evans has a dance move. He does. And we he can do it move. for the camera. One, two, three. <laughs> That's the Brian Evans wave. <laughs> okay. If you see him out tonight, which he probably do, will be, yeah, he's the ask Evans him wave. to give you the wave. Okay. He's been working on it for 30 years. And he'll okay. be the first to tell you we don't do it justice. Yeah. Oh, okay. No. All right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, man. Awesome Thanks, to have Jerry. you here. Thanks, Keep Thanks, doing Ryan. what you're doing. I appreciate it. Thanks so All much. All right, so let's bring the Hoosier Hysterics, everybody. All right, Galen, come up here. And then do we want to do some audience questions? Well, Jay's got a mediocre one for sure. I know Jay has a mediocre question. So I want to get, Galen, let's get your thoughts on the night moment, and then we'll, do some, we'll open it up for some questions. Oh, boy. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I, I echo a lot of what uh, everybody said so far on the show. It just feels like there's a disconnect yeah. with IU basketball and the way that we are, I guess, historically used to seeing a play. I tweeted something out like the, the way IU approaches a lot of these games right now is the way that we as IU fans made fun of other Big Ten programs yeah. for approaching games 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, there's just not a lot of distinction in the way that IU plays basketball. And they played, they played good in certain games this year. They, they won the game at home versus Michigan State. That was a, an enjoyable game. They figured out a way to win at Nebraska. There's been a couple other games like that. But by and large, it's been really rough. And, and you know, we, we can talk about players needing to buy in, and I think players certainly need to buy in more. But... It just it feels like there's not much of a foundation for this IU basketball program. It does right feel now. like they're they're trying to run on ice a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean it just it's like when it works, it's fine. It doesn't work that often. And you know, I think the first couple of years under Archie, I was willing to be like, Well, it's not really it's not really his roster. You're in year three now. You're halfway through the Big Ten season at this point, and it's like time to start answering the questions that have piled up for the you first just, two and a half years. You just want to yeah. see consistent improvement, and you're not seeing it at this point, I yeah. think. Is you don't care if you don't make the tournament. I mean, you obviously want to make the tournament. But if, you're, if you're not making the tournament, but you look better, and you look like, oh, we're building towards something, then you feel right. better about where the program is. But to see these peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, and it's up and down, up and down, up and down for three years. You can have, and that's the, the frustrating thing, one of the things, if you go back and you read, you know, I hate to 
I hate to pass all this through the lens of the Bob Knight era, but that's the era that 99% of the room is conversant with. It's appropriate with. today. You, it's very frustrating, for instance, in the Maryland game, to have your best offensive game of the season and lose because you gave up, what, eight, six points in the last minute. Yeah. It's very frustrating to have a good defensive game and then not be able to score and end up losing as a result. Yeah. This is probably the worst of the losses, not just because it's Purdue, not just because Bob Knight was in the building, not just because of all of the buzz that was around it, but they never looked like they were in the game to begin yeah. with. And yeah. that that's probably the most unpardonable of sins with IU basketball. It's why people wrongheadedly advocate for, you know, play the walk-ons or play, guy, play freshmen even if they're not capable of winning because people just want to go out and watch people play hard. Yeah. Even if... Even if, and this was the thing about the 08-09 season, it's like people still look, and that was a terrible year. Awful. Yes. It was awful. But people look back kindly on it because that team looked like they were at least trying. Mm. And there's large stretches of this season so far where you're just not seeing that. And I think that for almost every, like, every, every program has an identity. IU's identity has always been built around this idea that the team plays hard, the team plays good defense, the team efforts and outsmarts the opposition. Not seeing it right now. No. So, Gail, I have a question for you, though. You made your national television debut when Bob Knight was let go. It's true. You look a little different now. But he's back. Hair's a little longer. What, what, did, what did that <laughs> mean to you as somebody who observed, who was up close? You know. I know you were on campus when it happened. I was. And, was, and, and both I, of you were. I mean, it was, it was, I was, so I was the sports director at the radio station, student radio station my senior year, and that was when Bob Knight got fired. Um, it was... So, I, I, I want to say this. The idea that this was Bob Knight's first time back no. on campus is a lie. It's bad research. Bob Knight's been back on campus multiple times since then. He Dozens got shown almost. around the athletic complex by a, a coach of a different athletic program at IU like six years ago. Yeah. He's had dinner at Topo's, which is a block down the street, before he moved back. Like, the idea that this was his first time back is wrong. Well, we've but heard about, like, but, doing private yeah. dinners and stuff. 100%. Like, yeah. But a lot of people are under the impression, like, oh, and this was even said on the broadcast by Bob Lashusen. Oh, this was his first time back on campus. Wrong. But it was his first time back in the building. Yeah. That's important. And it, you know, it was interesting watching it, uh, you know, fr on television and just kind of seeing everything. It was touching. It was, it felt like for those of us who had lived through that era, particularly those of us who were children in the, the 70s or 80s or 90s, that this was something that's needed to happen for a long time. And, and yeah. I don't blame IU for it not happening up until now. They've, they've made plenty of effort no, to make it happen. And I also... You know, I understand the psychology of, of Bob Knight and why it's taken this long. And look, the fact that he came back at all is surprising, given this is this man matter, you know models himself after George Patton. Like yeah. that, 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 you have to understand that element of his mentality to understand what makes him both great and what makes him flawed. Yeah. But it was it was certainly a very touching moment. Just like, and I don't know if if Eric and Ward left already. Uh, they but, left. But, you know, the, the moment at the Bluebird a couple of months ago, I was fortunate enough to be there. I was in the, the, the green room with Bob Knight, you know, when he was getting ready to go up on stage. It wasn't something I expected to see when I was there that morning. But, you know, the, there's been a real sense of closure to that aspect of things around this basketball team. And that's been gratifying to see because yeah. it's been needed for a long time.
And I think closing that chapter, and I think that tonight, today, closed that chapter to a large degree for a lot of people, yep. is important from a, a psychological and emotional perspective. It does nothing to change the reality of IU basketball and where it's at right now, but it does do a lot, I think, for people perhaps to be able to just put that to the side for good. Yeah. And, Finally, it's over. And that's something that I think was valuable and important, and I'm glad everybody worked as hard as they did to get it done. No, and I, yeah. I thought we talked about it, but I thought that all those players coming back, you know, they knew how important this moment was. That was amazing. And, and it's important there. for them, too. Yes. I, you know, I think that I, I feel bad for a lot of the former players, particularly... It was almost like they had to pick sides. It, 100%. I mean, people now, it's 2020, people forget how fragmented it was in 2001 2002 2003 i mean it was a war zone uh not you know not just online either i mean it was so like I, it, you, I came to school right in the middle of that right and i was like why doesn't everybody like each other yeah you know like i i, I, I hit campus in 2003 and yeah. that was the middle of the bad air the beginning of the really bad mike davis well stretch and the thing is like there had already been some fractures as early as the mid 90s you know and and there, there were there were people who wanted to move on from night and go a different direction but most people were were supportive of night and the way that things went down i mean i think you can make a very valid argument that things needed to change yes. at iu but the way that it happened satisfied nobody yeah. the aftermath satisfied nobody and for a, an IU basketball program that, frankly, in its history has been ruled by these big troughs of kind of wandering in the desert with these you know, artificial peaks that happen in the middle of it, this was the worst thing that could have happened from a cultural perspective. And, you know, so it's, it's good to see that finally start to get closed a little bit. I mean, it's never going to be like it was from a, a, a mindset perspective. That was an almost unduplicatable era yeah of course and from the standpoint of the way that fans view iu it's been 20 years now since people had you know the attitude that they had about iu basketball at the time but i think seeing knight back in assembly hall and and his reaction his reaction to me felt genuine mm -hmm. it felt like he was genuinely happy to be there he was genuinely happy to acknowledge the crowd and that was not i mean i think if this happens 10 years ago i don't know if you get that so yeah, to some degree the timing was yeah. almost about as good as you could get it uh, all things considered. All right, so let's do let's do some audience questions. If we yeah. have some folks that want to ask questions from the audience, audience, let's also let's also give away some shirts. We have some shirts that we can give away, right? So our guy over here, our guy Connor from Homefield Apparel. Okay, so let's think of some good questions that we can use to get some shirts. So, did anybody here come from out of state? Did anybody here from out of state? <laughs> Don't ask Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kent is from out of state. Yep. Kent gets a Kent gets a shirt. Can't get to shirt. Where where are the shirts, Connor? Are they Connor's over here? got them in a box over here. Yeah. If you, how many people do we have from out of state? Raise your hands. Yeah, we got a few people from we out of state. Suddenly down. we have a lot more people yeah, from out of state than we had before. <laughs> so they know there's shirts. <laughs> out of if county is not out of state. state. Lawrence County is not out of state. You, so. <laughs> yes. If you came from out of state, you deserve shirts. So come on up here. Come on up here. Connor brought some shirts. I don't think he brought the oval shirt. What do we got here? <laughs> <laughs> hey, where are you? Where are you from? Tucson, Tucson, Arizona. Okay, that's a long way to go. That is a long way to go. Oh. Sean Miller basketball camp. Okay, well, worlds are colliding here. All right, right. very nice. Yeah, that's Andy's from Cincinnati. That absolutely counts. 
So we got, okay, so we got Tucson, we got Cincinnati. A lot of good people from Cincinnati. Yes, sure. there are. Yeah, many. yeah, we get, yeah, we'll get coaching. Let me get coaching. Well, actually, we're going to need a headset for questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. Okay, so where's Jay? Jay, we need a mediocre because question. Because we have to kick off the question. Do you remember which button is? Uh, um, I believe it's the questions. blue button. I believe it's the blue button. This blue button. Let's right here? try it. Oh, here he comes. There he is. Howdy, hey, everybody. This is Jay Horry. <laughs> wow, I, I never thought I'd be here with you guys. We've been, through, we've been through a lot together, Jay. <laughs> so. First time, long time, is that what we're doing? Yes. Something like that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do we, do what's, we really, your, what's your mediocre question, you Jay? Do we really have to talk about this? Or? No. It doesn't have to be about the game, it can be about anything. I want to know. Thank you, thanks for coming down. Thank you, guys. Thank you all, out-of-staters. Thank, Thank you. Yes. So, I don't know if you guys have talked about this before, but I want to know, what's your first... IU basketball memory, and I'll start. I'll start. Yeah. Mine was the 1992, because I was five at this point. So I'm a lot younger than you guys, obviously. You are. Yes. As everybody can tell. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to relay the story of the bartender when Blasco ordered a drink earlier, and How then he you, had sir. you turn around. I said I wasn't going to relay that, so you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was the 1992 Final Four loss to Duke. Wow. Which, even then, I remember the officiating being atrocious. Yeah, um, things have and, not changed. Yeah, a little, not, John, not, little John Clockerty action not, in that one. Not unlike the uh, Big Ten officiating nowadays, but um, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. I'll, I'll start on this because I have a similarly not ideal memory. It was IU losing to Virginia in the 1984 regional final. Yeah. Um, I, for whatever reason, don't remember the North Carolina game, which happened two days earlier. It would have been a tremendous first memory. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I distinctly remember Olden Polonies scoring points and beating IU. I do the – the, sec, the second memory, though, is the, the chair toss yeah. in the 85 season. I was – I guess I was five at that point. So it was – it's weird that, like, we have, I have a loss and I have probably yeah. the most – infamous moment in IU basketball history is my two memories, yeah. so there you and go. Couldn't you have asked for our happiest memory? Because they, my earliest memory, because it's just, it was emotionally scarring, I guess, for what, seven-year-old me at the time, is the Illinois game where Jay Edwards hits the amazing oh, shot. I know. He hits the amazing shot over the backboard, but I don't actually remember. I re like I, I, I've watched video of it, so I remember it. But what I remember of actually being there and watching it is the shot Nick Anderson hit yeah. to win the game and being devastated. So absolutely devastated, and not even at, at that age, not even knowing how to process it. I think I cried. You, I'm pretty were sure you, I cried. Were you, you were there. I was there. So at the game. I was I was at, at my house in in Battleground, Indiana, and the previous week had been the Michigan game. I had gone and hid in my parents' bedroom, and instead of watching the game, because I was, like, so nervous, and then Jay Edwards hits the three, and, like, everybody explodes, and I run out. I was like, yeah. what happened? And then I did the same thing in the Illinois game, so I missed the Nick Anderson shot. Lucky but you. I, I heard it, and it was bad. Uh, it was not a good memory. Anyway, go no. on. I mean, that everything up until then is great, you know? The, there's there's a certain level of irony that I, we were at Nick's at lunch yesterday, and they were showing some show on BTN about that <laughs> Illinois team, and so I got to relive that shot even just yesterday, which was just as terrible as before. Um, for me, I'll try to get a, a positive one. I, I mean, 
I definitely remember the 87 championship, and, like, I remember my dad picking me up and hugging me and watching the game and doing with that. Yeah. And then the other thing for me, this is more general, but my dad is the one of my, of my parents that went here. My mom didn't go to college, but she, like, is anybody who watches games around our family would say she's the one that is the most, like, over the top at this point. So I remember times on, like, Big Monday and Super Tuesday, stuff like that, where there would be games, and I would try to talk him into staying up, but then I would kind of... I would end up going to bed, but I would typically be awoken by my mom, like, pounding on the coffee table, getting mm. excited about the game, and then I would go out and watch the rest of the game. I remember the offered shot against uh, Michigan at the buzzer at Michigan where he ran off the floor and stuff like that. So mine are, mine are generally positive. We have a phone call. <laughs> okay. We have Jason what Kennedy. The legend Jason I, Kennedy. I want to see it. Let's see if we can make this work. Jason, you, go, uh, it, go ahead and let's, let's give this a shot. Okay. Long-time listener, first-time caller to the show. Love what you guys are doing. Great stuff. Wonderful. I'm glad you came out to see your fans. Love the Echo, too. That said, horrible game. I can't believe you did this pod. I assume you're going to delete it immediately. This is show business. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's called show business. You're a pro. God love you. We're a big fan. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. We that appreciate caller, it. All the way that from was, the bar. That was definitely literally, <laughs> literally a 20-foot phone I, call. Just I tremendous. I found myself yelling, the call is coming from inside the house. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, it is. We did We did have some conversations about, wow, we really have to podcast after that? Because yeah. we, we set this a couple of months ago as a date. We're like, it has to be perfect. They, they're coming into town. Yeah. Let's make this. It's. What do you do? I mean, we we... we I, I was thinking about this with IU basketball, and you guys started in what 2011? Yep, 2011. Which was yep. like the perfect time to start. The best because, time to start. You know, you had the 11-12 season, you had the 12-13 season. You know, Scott and I started Crimson Cast in 08. No one listened for like three years, and when people started listening, it was great. And then, yeah, well, still people don't listen. But it's now, it's like... You say that as if people were listening to our show when we started, but I appreciate you, I appreciate you treating <laughs> yeah, it that way. Yeah, you know, I mean, no one's going back and checking those traffic numbers, Andy. No. But it is, it is complicated because podcasts, people listen to podcasts, I think, because they, they want to hear fun, exciting, positive things about their team. They want to interact with people who also are excited. And I think we look at other programs that are successful, and they have those sorts of experiences. Like if you're doing a Virginia podcast last year, you're having a tremendous year. Uh, yeah. But it's, it is difficult because we want to have an honest conversation with the fans, and we're going to have honest conversations with each other about what's going on uh, with our teams. And I know you guys don't really tackle football that much. We tackle football a lot on Crimson Cast. That's been... A, a tough road to hoe the last decade. This year it was great. Yeah. Like this year it was like, this Things is like, hey, up. All, it all paid off. This is amazing. <laughs> um, you know, but, but it is, it is challenging sometimes when the times aren't as good as we'd like them to be. It is, but it's people showing yeah, up. This I mean, is that's, amazing. That's, a, that's, that's what makes it worth it to do. All right. Does anybody else have questions? We got the mediocre question. We got it. A, we lived got, up to its billing. If anybody else has questions, you got a question, come, on up. come yeah. on up. Kent, come on up. Yeah. Come on up. Absolutely. And then, Libby, we might ask you to come up here later. We have to get your reaction to Coach Knight coming back. So think about it. <clears throat> Can't introduce yourself yeah. for everybody. Yeah. yeah. I'm Kent Davis from the Atlanta, Georgia. The great Kent Davis Woo! from Thank Atlanta, you. Georgia. Yeah. So my question is, 
Um, so you guys may know that we had Carter Witt in for an official visit. Yes. And so, you know, he's the whole point guard that's very good at seeing people like two or three steps ahead, but he's not a good shooter. And potentially getting him would maybe mean that we wouldn't get Christian Lander. So my question is, after today, and I guess just the way the season's going, would you like to get him? We still don't know if he's going to be 2020 or 2021. He's a good guard, yes. Yeah. Get him. Yeah, I mean, I we, we need playmakers. Yeah. We need guards. I mean, at, obviously, at, we want guys who can shoot, but we need playmakers, and we need guys who can run an offense. At this point, IU basketball is like the New York Jets or the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. Like, you, you just... You that was a shot yeah, of sorry, sorry, Blaska, but it's true. You, you, you can't draft on need. You have to get best available player. And, look, I, I think if you're going to – there's certainly some criticisms you can levy at Archie Miller about his roster construction so far. You, the lack of guard recruitment is a problem, and the fact that there's only really four functional guards on this roster is a problem. you got to try to address that because you're going to lose at least one of those guards – uh, to graduation this year. So even if it's not a completely perfect fit, I, I think that you remake the team based upon the roster that you have available to you, but that roster has to have guards on it. Yes. And so I think you you take the best possible player at that position and then you let the chips fall where they may moving forward because as we saw last year a lot of people thought oh they'll pick up Lester Quinones in the in the spring signing or they'll pick up this player or that player and none of it actually happened yeah. and I think that's something that if this is going to be successful IU has to avoid that sort of scenario moving forward yep. right. agreed okay. feel the same way Andy yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue in a game where we were like, we should go bench a bunch of guards, and then we talk about how there were really no other great yeah. options to turn to, and then say you'd turn your head at any uh, competent playmaker yeah. from the, and, the backcourt. You know, to your point on a guy like Lander, who obviously is an in-state guy, and we'd all like to get him, but you can't just not take anybody and wait on that. Because yeah. yeah. if he ends up in Louisville, then you've right. you're, 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 you got problems. Yeah. You just yeah. got to get, if you can get good playmakers, you got to get them. That's what, that's what this program needs. By the way, can we talk about how bad the uniforms are in this Carolina Duke? They're real bad. Oh, They're yeah. awful. This yeah. is when, when what are they doing? When marketing attacks, this is uh, essentially what's going on in this That's Duke. Terrible. Year. I mean, the uniforms aren't as bad as North Carolina this year, but, yeah, but, uh, but I mean, they're up ten <laughs> points right now. Yeah. I mean. That's well, unlikely to last. But, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Kent. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Kent. Appreciate it. Let's get our next question up here. All right, we got we, we got plenty, plenty of time. We'll, 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 we'll get a rotation going. Yes. Hey. All right. Hello. Hi. Uh, yep. Yeah, my, my, my name is Luke Newhouse. Luke. Uh, hey, how you doing? Hey, I, I, you, I, I don't really. I really have a question for you guys. Uh, I normally I, I ask them the fun question in the community, like, would you rather have IU not make the tournament and then make it every fifth year, or whatever? I ask that question. Those are fun but, questions. But I challenge you. Um, I don't really have one that's fun like that. I can't think of one right now on top of the head. But I, I just want to thank you guys for what you guys do. You guys and the Crimson Provass and the. Ward and Eric and all them, like it, I really appreciate because, like, you know, it's it's good to sit there because I drive around my car all the time for work and I get to listen. Like I like there are games like today. I was super mad after today's game and it was like horrible. But listen, you guys makes me feel a little bit better because there is a community like you guys say. So wow. I just want to thank Thanks, you guys man. for what you do. I do appreciate it. So I know well, we're the reason you guys are here. But like you guys like introduced me to a community I just found out about you guys like a year ago and. I just love you guys, so well, I appreciate it. Thanks, awesome. man. Thanks so we much. We really appreciate it. We Look, we, we, it's always weird. 
because none of us do this professionally. Right. When Wait, people what? are coming up and like, hey, I listen is to you not... all the time. What? Oh, I'm sorry, Andy. Is that now what? Uh, that's not... Is that now what we're doing? <laughs> Jen, <laughs> I thought he had a real job. No. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> all uh, my eggs are officially but, in this basket, but, so but we're no, good. It, in all seriousness, it is, it's, it's gratifying and also a little off-putting when people come up and say, wow, we listen to you and, it's, and we really enjoy it. And we really, I appreciate it. I know these guys do as well. Uh, so we appreciate you taking the time to, to listen, and I'm glad we could yeah. make it worth your while. Okay, I guess I guess the only question is: there someone else that IU's looking at for next year besides the three we already have? Do you guys know of anyone? I mean, there've been I some stories about like some Harvard, JUCO guys that we're looking at. I'm almost, like I mean, we'll almost certainly look at the grad transfer route, you know, Definitely. because we Definitely. I mean yeah. we just have to get guards, and yeah. I mean, you know, Galloway, Leal, Geronimo, they're you know they're wings, oh, and they yes. have some things that they can do. But we need guys who can handle the ball. Definitely. You know, yeah. so I think definitely whether it's, you know, trying to get a high-profile guy in that class like a Carter Witt or, you know, trying to get a grad transfer. Like, you know, Jihad Proctor for Purdue has been a guy who's been a little bit up and down, but now that he's kind of integrated into the system, he's been really valuable for them. And that's that's the kind of guy that really would have helped out this team this year. Definitely. And, you know, we I swung and missed, but hopefully. would have helped out too. Well, yeah. But hopefully <laughs> this up, well. <laughs> so. We go back and forth on this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I guess, hope, hopefully I, guess I don't know if you guys saw the article saying that Trace Jackson Davis definitely says he's going to be back next year. Yeah, that's I don't what, know if you guys saw that. There was a post I that. saw it. I, so. yeah, I, you never know until it happens. Right. Yeah. This is the thing. I mean, it's, it's, the it's, last time February, it's February 8th. Yeah. And it, it, things can change between now and then. But is I, he I or is he not on a two-year plan? That's yeah. the other question. Yeah, I would the last be time Ryan said someone was on a two-year plan, it didn't work out quite so well. <laughs> He's over yeah. there at the bar now. Yeah, yeah he doesn't care. No. Well, thank, thank you, Luke. so much. Oh, thanks, thanks, Appreciate, it. appreciate yeah. the kind yeah. words. Appreciate thank coming you. Out. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that a little bit because I don't know how long this person can uh, stick around, but uh, I'll try to I'll try to keep it together while I have this this conversation. But for those who don't know, like Jared is one of the nicest people you'd ever meet. <laughs> so there's a, a gentleman over there named Andrew who is here because Jared was nice enough to uh, send a care package to his wife. Who's going through some things, and uh, so he is nice enough to stop by. So I'll give you a break if you want to go over there. And uh, where's Andrew? Over there? Yes. Okay. He's the most well-dressed person here. <laughs> All right, I will. Um, not wearing home field apparel is best I can tell, but incredibly well-dressed compared to the rest of us. But anyway, so he, I, he introduced himself to me. I wanted to make sure that he could talk to Jared, and uh, just a good chance to say what a good dude that Jared is. How many days till football season? How many days till football season is the question, Galen? This is right oh, in your wheelhouse. A lot. Uh, it's like a solid six or seven months at this stage. We still got baseball season in front of us. Let's let's, yeah, let's focus. Let's let's give credit where credit is due. Absolutely. And softball just got started yesterday or two days ago. I think didn't have the greatest start, but say, hey, it's okay. It's an early part of the season. Do we have any other questions? Would anybody like to come up and and ask a qu- We got we got some time. All right, come on, Ari, Ari come on up. Sure. This is a little self-serving, but I wanted to ask you your favorite OG Adenobi moment and thank Assembly Call for all the writing they've let me done. It's been such a great experience. Awesome. Yeah, so, so for those who don't know, this is Ari, who's done a lot of the, uh, the features on uh, former IU players in the NBA. So he's gotten, I'm sure I'll miss some of these, Thomas Bryant, OG, which was potentially the greatest interview challenge that anyone could be given. Uh, to be able to get more than a two-sentence answer out of him. Uh, OG doesn't talk that much. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Great player, great dude, but... Really good guy. Not uh, He's terse, <laughs> I think would be the, probably the best way that I could describe him. 
Best but, OG moment. Uh, I mean, there was a couple of those dunks when he would just like take off and like go down the lane and just windmill yeah. hammer somebody. Although I would say probably from a important standpoint, it would be defense he played on Jamal Murray in the tournament, blocking uh, the one shot in, in particular that I can remember. And uh, the, the, at least in a, from a meaningful game standpoint, that's the one that I would that comes to mind most immediately. That's the funny thing about OG's career at IU is that there were just that it felt very compressed. Because there were like there was a large section of the year that he really contributed where there wasn't it didn't seem like the team was going anywhere and then suddenly they did. But um, I don't know. I mean that y you look back at his career numbers and I, I'm, I'm trying to jog my memory here. Frankly, um, you know he he had a, a pretty good first couple of games of the tournament. You mentioned the Kentucky and the Chattanooga game. He's very good in. Um, but man, I don't know. It's. Uh, as much as OG Ananobi has blossomed in the pros, and as much as he had individually good games here at IU, it was like there, it was a it was a fleeting thing. You felt like, wow, I, I wish you knew that it was there, but you yeah. didn't see. You just didn't ever get the chance to see enough of it, whether it be injuries or, or different things like that. I Absolutely, agree. I would agree with that. So, other other questions at all? Ken Bykoff's here. Hi, Ken. How you doing? You got a question? Come on up. Okay, let's let's make this happen. I thought you were going to make Ken come up and I ask was a not question. Gonna, I, would, not I, would, I would never to do, force anybody to ask a question on a he podcast. He just raised his hand, and then just immediately you're like, why don't you come up it's here? Like, hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Hey, Galen, good to see you. Good Cheers. to see you, too. Cheers. Salud. Salud. I have two questions because I missed the first half of the show. Okay. So I can't really hear back there. Yeah. We, so I don't know if you've covered this or not. Where are the next wins in the schedule? We've got eight games left, right? Right. We've got four home, four on the road. Indiana still has a chance to make the tournament as far as I'm concerned. But where do those wins come from? Because I could see them going 0-8 in the next eight games, the way they played today. I, so, would, I would like to think 0-8 is not going to happen, but I, I could not with after, complete certainty. After last year, you I, can't. You I could can't. not with complete certainty tell you that that wouldn't happen. So here's the thing. The next win almost has to be on Thursday when they play Iowa. Because if you lose that game, you're riding a five-game losing streak, traveling to Michigan and traveling Four to Minnesota. At that point. And and then yeah, you've got the what the Penn State game at home, and then Purdue and Illinois on the road. That's a tremendous. Well, not, we can go ahead and knock off Purdue and Illinois on the road. I right? Okay, I, mean, I, I don't entirely know if I agree with that, and here's the reason why. Okay. A, I could. This sounds weird to say, but the Big Ten is strange. Like we like to think of everything as linear. It's like oh. Team X won on the road at Team Y. Therefore, they'll win at home against Team Y. That's almost never how it works. We've seen, I remember the Fab Five lost to Northwestern uh, on the road in a random game. And everybody's like, well, how did that happen? That's the Big Ten for you. So I'm not willing to write off the idea that Purdue could just throw a stink bomb up at Mackey Arena. Probably won't happen. But IU beat Illinois on the road last year. Illinois, but this is a totally different Illinois. Are team they? Than last. They mean, are. They are. They are a talented team that's relatively young. I don't put Galen in the uncomfortable position <laughs> of having to advocate for. I'm not advocating for anything, but I will say that you asked where the wins are going to have to come from. I said the have they have to be. The they have to win against Iowa because if they lose yeah. against Iowa, they're now five and eight, and that puts you in a position where essentially you have to win what five of your last seven games. Yeah. And that's a really difficult spot to be in because that involves having to win on the road. And so um, I think they're going to have to win one of those two road games, whether it's the game at Michigan or the game 
at Minnesota. And I think both those games are winnable if this team can figure out how to pull itself together when bad things happen. And I I don't know if they're there yet. What do you think, Andy? I, I think I, I agree with what you said. I think the Thursday game becomes really important. So for as much as everybody could kind of waffle back and forth of whether this was really a must win, I think the Iowa game definitely falls into that. Because I don't think... The Iowa just lost by like 900 points at Purdue. So let's let's keep that there in you mind. Go. You know? So, I, yeah, I just, I just struggle to think. I mean, when you watch, we talked about confidence and different things like that earlier in the show. We Nobody wants to think too much about last year, but it, it's hard not to have that in the back of our minds as, as fans to say, hey, if things really start to snowball, what happens? So I think yeah. they need one to stem the tide, and, and hopefully that comes on Thursday. I would say, you know, Michigan beat Michigan State today as, as best I, I I tried to look at uh, game results after we got here. The it part was, that was on when I was here earlier was was unwatchable. But it, got, it got slightly more watchable and then became completely oh, unwatchable. So. so I do think, I mean, Michigan's got some struggles, uh, although Livers was back today, so that's a big factor in that game. But uh, – yeah, I think, I think Thursday becomes a really important game for IU, which given Iowa's talent offensively uh, gives concerns, but given Iowa's similar propensity to uh, completely go in the tank defensively, maybe that's what this offense, I don't think defense was the maybe that's what this offense needs. I don't I'll know. say this. When, when IU had lost their 10th Big Ten game last year, no one thought they were going to win again the rest of the season, and they ended up winning, what, four out of their last six or something? Four out of their last five. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, I, that's the weird thing yes, about would be. <laughs> this roster construction is that it, it's not entirely impossible, and, it, and you could get that kind of bounce where the team suddenly re-coalesces with each other and figures out how to play. But it's hard to envision it right now, and I don't want to be positive. I really don't. I'm really angry. Like I'm, I'm, tr- I'm about as angry as I've been at IU basketball in like three or four years right now at this very it's moment. It's sad that it's not longer. It's really sad. I know. Sad that I know. Well, that's that's the other thing. But I can't I, imagine how Scott is feeling though right now. Given Scott actually texted me earlier. Scott Caulfield, co-host of Crimson Cast, and said, "I am in the I'm not watching this team anymore mode of of my mindset." And so he's just not watching at this stage. So I'm having to absorb all of it. That said, I can't completely write them off the rest of the year simply because we saw last year where it looked like they were completely dead in the water and they figured out a way to come back. So I sat in the balcony today, and based on the looks of Did it, Did you pay I $300 be, a ticket? I might be the only one that sat in the balcony today. <laughs> no, no, I got one more right over there. I got one more right over there. Okay, two. Okay, either way. So the, so the folks in the balcony on the younger side, they're, call, they're already on the Archie head train. They're ready to call for Archie to go. So this is the this is my second question. This is where I'll leave you guys. But these have been really uplifting questions. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I really, hey, hey, I, I realize <laughs> you guys are a positive podcast. I'm a first time listener, first time caller. Thanks for having me. Uh, so no, my my, I would love. I, I'm still upset about the Tom Green fire. To be completely honest, wow, okay. I, I don't think you should have been let go. This personal opinion. Do Dude, not bring way, that up to Coach. I had that conversation with him on the way over. Do not, do not bring I, that up to I, him. I, I won't bring it up to him. I won't bring it up to him. But I would love for you guys to assuage the fears of the people in the balcony who are upset and ready to see Archie go. Because I don't think I don't think I'm ready to see that happen yet. But. You take it first, Ryan. Okay. Archie is not going anywhere for a while. Hey. Financially, there's no there's no athletic Thanks, director. Financially, it's not happening. He will be back next year no matter what. There is there is no unless he gets a, hired away somewhere, he's not 
coming. I have a theory on that. I know you do. We've talked about it. I think it's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> we're not we're not enough beers in to get that theory. Out yeah. Yet, but. So uh, Archie is not going anywhere. I, I know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for people. He's not going anywhere. His contract is at a point where I, IU is not going to let him go. Now, after next year, if things have not gotten any better, I think that's when you start talking about it, and, and that's where it's it's realistic. You can start talking about it now all you want. I'm just talking about where it's realistically going to happen. And again, there's not an athletic director yet in place, and so the athletic director will come in, and, and next year, I think, spend the year, you know, I, I would imagine analyzing all the programs on campus, not just basketball, and, and making decisions about the future. So... Uh, Yes, it's fair to start asking questions about this program. I've said that for weeks. It, it, you're, not, you're not seeing the kind of advancement and development you want to see, whether that's some of the players holding the team back, whether that's the lack of development from the coaching staff. It's hard to, to, to say. It might be a combination of the two. Uh, but as we're sitting right now, today, Archie's going to be back next year. I mean, regardless of what you think about it, he's going to be back next year. I agree. However, I'm going to say this. Any students, any alums who are actively questioning what's going on coaching-wise right now should. Sure. Because at this point, like, here, like I, and I've been one of the biggest Archie Miller defenders in the podcast bubble. And I've done it because I felt like there needed to be a foundation laid. And, and all of the evidence leading into this year was like, this is the guy that can do it as much as anybody else. Yes. But... I don't care who you root for, whether it's IU basketball, whether it's North Carolina, whether it's any other program. Like, until you start seeing results, there's literally nothing to base your faith off of. And you can, I think you're right. I don't think any changes are going to get made. And I don't think you're going to see any real movement, even in terms of like people thinking about it at the administrative level, because they, I think Archie Miller is respected within the athletic department. I think people understand the reality of the situation that he inherited. But man, even with that, it's fair is, to start is, asking there questions. Is, there is very little forward momentum in games that matter, and that is a real concern. And I think for people that are like, well, this is really frustrating, yes, there's a lot of roster issues that need to be actively questioned, and I think people need to look at that. But at the end of the day, as much credit as we give coaches when things go well, it, you don't get absolved when things are going badly. No, of course after, not. At, you know, in your third year, just because everything's not lined up perfectly. And I think that that's people who are actively questioning these things. I think they have a reason to do so. Yeah. And I, I would not be shocked if we see some staff changes in the off season, some new yeah. blood being brought in. Because I, I want to say though, to our, our friend who asked the question about Tom Crean, this is a guy who missed two of the last four NCAA tournaments that he had a chance to uh, get into and nearly got the program on probation from the NCAA tournament for APR issues. So, like, I, I there's, there's been this romanticism that's erupted around I, the Tom yeah. Crean era, and man, step away from that. Well, and, that and during my, Crean, there was advice. a romantic, there, there was a romanticization of Kelvin Sampson as well, yes. and there were, you know, I mean, so that that happens. And <laughs> the Kelvin Sampson Renaissance has been fascinating. It really to watch has. This last couple of years. <laughs> Nobody ever questioned that guy's ability to coach. It no, was other stuff was other, that was the other, problem. There were other things, yes. Um, so, you know, I think that, again, it, realistically, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, whether there should be discussions of it or whatever, I mean, that that's fair. As a fan base, you can always talk about that, and you can always discuss the issues with the program. And, and I think there's ways to sort of 
patch holes where I think there are some. I think that, again, I, I think there needs to be some staff changes. There need to be – he should bring in – and I've said this last offseason. We discussed it, and we all kind of agreed that bring in an offensive coordinator. You yeah. know, bring in somebody to change what you're doing offensively because clearly it's not working. It's not creating forward momentum and progress, you know, and it's not sort of developing on top of itself. So maybe you bring in somebody who's uh, – you know, th- this program has resources. Go out and find the best of the best. Bring in what you can – and and uh, and try and improve it because and I've also said it like also you know if you love your job here you need to work and scratch and claw tooth and nail to keep it and, and to 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 get better and constantly be improving because uh, you know it's a situation where at a major program you don't show progress the way you need to you're going to be gone that's that's we're an instant gratification society so but it's not instant gratification it's year three well i know i know but yeah. i mean I, i'm saying I, they're not going to wait seven an, years there's an for effort it. deficit you guys talked about this in the first part of the podcast when you get your your team completely outworked on your home floor by purdue who's not a good team this no. year so i saw some purdue people walking in you're not a good team this year uh you might make the tournament but uh, but barely. It, this isn't last year's Purdue when team. You, when you get outworked by this Purdue team and it results in a double-digit loss, that's a real problem, and that's not something that you can just explain away by saying, "Well, I don't have all of my players." Yeah, I yeah. Agree. I, I think we and we touched on this a little bit during when we were like texting during the game. But at some point, it's it, it, do, are there enough guys buying what Arch is selling at, at this point from a roster standpoint? And I think that's where uh, you start to get a little bit concerned. And so I think, Galen, you put it well when it's okay, it's acceptable, it makes sense to ask the questions that people are asking because, like it or not, people look back at how things went last year and they immediately take what's happened in the last couple weeks and spin that forward to, there's nothing that I've seen this year that tells me that a similar collapse down the stretch and performance like that is not a potential to happen again. We're going to wrap things up here uh, because our next event is is about to come up and First of all, I wanted to thank Switchyard Brewing Company for hosting us today. Uh, Tremendous throughout the course of entire day. Uh, It's been an awesome venue, so we appreciate Curtis and Kristen and everybody here for uh, making this possible from a technical perspective. And thanks to all of you. Uh, Appreciate you coming out. We'd like to do more of these events in the future, hopefully under happier circumstances, but uh, we'll try to make this a more regular thing. I think that, uh, you know, despite some of the less than exciting outcomes that IU basketball has seen. It's it's really uplifting to see how many people are excited about IU athletics and IU basketball in particular. So congratulations to all of you, and thank you for coming out. For I want to say uh, real quick for Coach, for Andy, I know he has a microphone, but I want to speak for him, uh, for Typical. Jared and, and myself, just thank you guys so much for all your support. Uh, thank you for... You know, we get messages on Twitter. We get people commenting, live chat during the show, all that. You guys are the best, and we're here only because of you. And we, we, we travel to, to come here, not to go to a game, not to do a show, but to meet you guys and, and interact with you. And it is the greatest part of what we do. So, And also thanks to the Hoosier Hysterics guys who were awesome yeah. on the show. Uh, so thank you guys so much. It means so much to us. And that's the best part of coming here is, is getting to meet and see all you guys. Yeah. And, uh, and lastly, I will wrap with, I would, I would echo what Ryan said, but uh, special thanks to Galen for setting this up. I came yeah. over here earlier, clearly having no idea how or if I could actually help at all. He was nice enough. He didn't make me feel dumb, but knew that I was not going to be of any use to him whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but he got all this hooked up, worked yeah. again in the venue. It's hard when all of us are not here. Uh, so he was kind of the person on the ground. So 
We appreciate you, you and everything you. that you've done. We really appreciate thanks, it very guys. much. And uh, thanks, everybody, coming out. Look forward to uh, chatting with everybody, drowning our sorrows a little bit more after the game. And uh, we'll go from there. So Thank you, thanks guys. everybody, for coming out. We appreciate it. We'll catch you folks on the flip side. So long, everybody. You heard you could save big when you bundle home an auto with Progressive. So you went online to check it out. But then you saw a link for a survey about which type of bread you are. And now you're on question 17, barely scratching the surface of your bread identity. You always thought of yourself as a brioche, but are you actually more of a pumpernickel? Ah, yes. They said it was easy to save money bundling with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.